Hello, and welcome to a more perfect podcast. Today, we're going to be covering some of the news that I've been seeing recently. It's been a fairly sporadic news cycle, but I think we can get through it. The first story I want to cover today is a thing that I found kind of surprising. So it's it's kind of surprising that you find good politics stories nowadays. Usually every single story is bad in the news cycle. There's a bunch of negativity, but I found some good stuff. And it's for all of you Olive Garden lovers out there, people that love Olive Garden, maybe Red Elephant. The U.S. has struck a Mexican tomato trade deal in a win for consumers, according to Fox Business. So it says on Monday, the United States made an agreement with Mexico over dumping tomatoes on the U.S. market. This agreement basically means there's going to be price stability for tomatoes for multiple years to come. And the the reason this happened is a few Around maybe a month and a half ago, Trump said, I'm going to slap 25% tariffs on Mexico. And this was for a few different reasons. So the main reason was the massive influx of migrants through the southern border and how our border stations were totally being overrun. Our ports of entry were totally being overrun. There wasn't enough people to deal with everybody that was coming through. So that was the main push was if Mexico is not going to help us out, then we're going to combat them on trade. We're going to fight them through economic means if they won't help us out through practical means on the border. So that was the main reason. And Mexico immediately sends a whole bunch of negotiators up to Washington and they try to negotiate a deal with the United States to avoid these 25% tariffs on things like cars and tomatoes and salad and all that stuff that we get from Mexico, like avocados. We get a lot of avocados from Mexico, and that's actually a big part of the Mexican economy is the trade with the United States. So they didn't want that to happen, and they successfully negotiate. So now Mexico's helping us with the influx of migrants. We've seen a big drop in the numbers. Our men aren't is overwhelmed anymore. So it's very good. It's a very good thing for the Trump administration. But obviously, it's kind of a minor story. So it's not getting much coverage. And it's also a positive story, which is why I had to get it from Fox because nobody else will report on it because none of the other news reports are fair to Trump and the Trump administration's efforts to make things right. So moving on, we're going to go to the border. Trump recently has closed a loophole. There was this thing called the Flores Settlement in the 1980s where a girl named Jenny Flores, Flores, who was then 15, she got detained by the United States authorities, so Border Patrol. And in 1997, it called for migrant children to be sent to care programs after 20 days so they can be held for 20 days at the border and then they have to be released into the United States um, with their with their families and be given access to medical treatment and all that, but really released into the United States. So what the Trump administration says is we we can't do this because catch and release is a bad thing. We're, we're catching these, these people, these criminals that bring children with them so they can exploit the catch and release system that was mandated under the Flores settlement and we're saying we need to keep them at the border and then put them through the process and then basically deport them because they broke the law. So it basically seeks to scrap the Flores settlement and 
to keep kids with their families longer inside of the border. So it does two things here. It scraps the catch and release policies and it also keeps kids with their parents, with their adults, and doesn't separate families anymore. So you probably didn't hear anything about this because it goes totally against the narrative of the new cycle, but it happened a few days ago. And according to the Democrats, it says the government should not be jailing kids and certainly they shouldn't be seeking to put more kids in jail for longer. Because um, what the Democrats want, the reason why they're saying we shouldn't jail kids and we shouldn't put kids in jail longer, because okay, A, first off, it's not jail, it's the border and we have facilities that are way nicer than jails. Also due to this, another provision in this new rule was safe and humane treatment at the border. So according to the Department of Homeland Security, they say, quote, we want to keep families together through an immigration proceeding that's fair and expeditious in an, in an appropriate setting. He said, this this can't be done in 20 days with due process. So it's, it's a very good thing. And once again, it, it does two things. It destroys catch and release. It's a bad policy for many reasons. One of them being just releasing these children and we're releasing these families and criminals into the United States. Some of them being criminals, not all of them. Obviously, it's debating how much it's debated, how much of the immigrants coming up, flowing up through the border are criminals. But Again, I would argue we need to keep them at the border so we can put them through the due process and so we can eventually put them back into Mexico so they can come in legally when we catch them at the border. And two, it destroys the um, the separation of families at the border. And actually three, that's three things. And the third thing being it advocates for more humane practices in these facilities at the United States border. So moving on from, from Mexico and the United States-Mexico border, you know, like I know we talked about that in the last episode, and now I'm talking about it in this episode. You guys probably want to hear about something else. Well, I'll tell you about something else then. There was this article in the New York Times, and it was about, if you, if you hadn't heard, Trump's trying to buy Denmark, or not, not trying to buy Denmark, trying to buy Greenland. And he's trying to buy Greenland because it has a whole bunch of natural resources and a whole bunch of um, a large, large U.S. military base there. And we're trying to buy it because it can counter, God forbid there be a World War III, it can counter Russia very easily from there if they try and come through the Arctic. And it can also counter Chinese efforts there. Um, there was a big there was a big airport that was trying to be built in Greenland. And Chinese were trying to fund it in 2018. And then the United States stepped in and they were like, no. And so we stopped them, thank God. Or, you know, we, like, we, we, we don't want a Chinese presence right above us, okay? It, it'd be bad. Bad news bears. The New York Times is saying, you know, there's, there's a lot of anger over Denmark, in Denmark and in Greenland, and that Trump, you know, he called the Danish prime minister's rejection of the idea nasty. Well, that's just Trump being Trump, you know? He's just a dupe from New York, and... We elected him to, into the White House, and he, he's, he's going to say, you know, what, as, as I've heard a lot of people say, what everybody wants to say, but doesn't say. He says the quiet parts out loud, and honestly, that's part of his appeal, is the saying the quiet parts out loud. He's not politically correct at all, and honestly, it's pretty awesome, in my opinion. So that's what happened with Denmark. 
Um, he's postponed the meeting because they wouldn't sell Greenland. Another thing that Trump did this week was the White House floated this idea to cut billions upon billions of dollars in foreign aid to countries such as like Germany, Denmark, countries in the United, United Nations. He wanted to cut them because we're spending way more than these countries do on their defense, defending them. So, and that's not right. They're kind of ripping us off, you know, that like, in my opinion, they, they, like, dude, defend your own country. We shouldn't be spending billions upon billions of dollars just to defend you. And like, what the heck do we get in return? That's, that's just not right. So he wanted to freeze more than $4 billion in foreign aid. It would have been another run around the power of the purse, according to Portico, which is kind of like a leftist source. But it was, it, it was an interesting article, so I decided to read it. Um, so, so just take that in mind as, as we talk about this. So he says the Department of Homeland Security was like, the president has been clear that there is fat in our foreign assistance and that we need to be wise about where U.S. money is going, said a senior administration official, which is why he asked the administration to look into options to doing just that. It is clear that there are those on the Hill who aren't willing to join him in curbing wasteful spending. Another story, this comes from Fox again, um, is Trump has canceled all student loan debt for permanently disabled U.S. military veterans. So there's been this big push in the Democratic Party where the Democratic candidates have all pushed for totally canceled student loan debt, cancel your student loan debt in community colleges, some pushing for all four years. Also, we touched on it in the third episode. It's called Bridging the Divide. And we talked about paying for college, paying for college tuition, free Medicare for all and all that. Well, I would argue that while it's a bad thing for everyone, we we can totally afford it for um, 50,000 or so disabled veterans who are qualified to have their federal student loan debt forgiven and receive the benefit because of a burdensome application process. The Trump administration proposes this to expedite that process and to have these 50,000 or so disabled veterans have their debt wiped clean completely and quickly. So it's a very good thing. You know, they, they certainly deserved it. If, if you got injured serving our country in the military, in, the, in, the, in any branch of the military at all, you, you certainly deserve it. It's a very, it's a very honorable thing. Again, we can't afford all of it, but we, we can help people out where we can help people out, and that's a good thing. Now, how about a story from halfway around the world? There's this place called Hong Kong, and it's a special administrative region of China. So it's a special administrative region of China because it's under this agreement called One Country, Two Systems. One country being China, two systems being Chinese communism and Hong Kong's American-esque democracy. So let's get some context here. It's kind of funny to me how the Chinese Communist Party basically took Hong Kong from the British because Hong Kong is a former British colony. It used to be a British colony. And Hong Kong was surrendered by the British to the Chinese Communist Party. But it's funny. So get this. So 1971, People's Republic of China gets admitted into the United Nations. And one of the first things they do, one of the first things the representatives does is send this letter to the selective committee 
and it says Hong Kong is being occupied by these British troops. They're being occupied by these British and Portuguese troops, and Hong Kong is really a territory of China and should be sum- surrendered to China immediately. It's our territory, not theirs. Why are why are they why are they taking it? Later, that same selective committee. This is 1971. On page 64, volume 3 of a thousand plus page report from the United Nations that I'm sure everybody read, okay? Like everybody definitely read this report. Please give me a break. They didn't read it. And so page 64, volume 3 on in this report says the selective committee has approved the, and recommends that Hong Kong and, the, and those territories should be surrendered to China from the British. But this isn't, this isn't, a law yet. This isn't a resolution by the whole United Nations. It's just a resolution from a committee of the United Nations. So to pass, obviously it must be approved by all the countries that are in the United Nations. So 1972, they meet again. And in resolution 2908, it was a resolution supporting decolonization throughout the world. Okay, so it says all around the world we should stop having colonies. Colonies are a bad thing; they're a thing of the past. We should we should stop them. Well, deep in that document, they buried the resolution, and or within the resolution, they buried this thing that approves that 1971 resolution from the selective committee. Remember the one that had them saying. Hong Kong should be surrendered to China. Okay, that one. It's it was buried in there, and on. But basically, you can think of it as a book. So this this United Nations 1972 resolution was a book. Um, on the cover it says Resolution 2908, and the purpose, or like the subtitle of the book, would be to supporting decolonization worldwide. And then on page 800 at the bottom of the page is we also are surrendering Hong Kong to the Chinese government unconditionally and Britain has to totally give it up and surrender all these people and the whole island to China. Well, nobody saw it. Nobody read the whole thing. Nobody looked back at that one tiny little selective committee recommendation. Nobody looked back at it, and it got approved. And Britain realized too late, and they were like, shoot. In fact, a few years ago, they were like, hey, why don't we make Hong Kong a colony again? And then they go, and they go, and they get further and further and further along with it. And then China just spits in the face of the British, and they turn it down. It was it was humiliating. The evil Chinese government, they're just disgusting. So now... We are in 2019, and the agreement when the British left was an agreement of one country, two systems, which I've already explained is Hong Kong gets to remain a democracy, China gets to remain an evil communist regime, okay? Those stupid commies. Dang. Commies. (sighs) So for 50 years, the agreement said, we get to remain under this one country, two systems, agreement. And so this is until 2047, basically, since the resolution was signed in 1997. Okay, so 50 years later, 2047. Check my math. 
I'm pretty sure I'm not right, but it sounds pretty like 50 years to me. So we're in 2019. It may just be me, but the communists have never been too good about letting a democracy be in existence on their border. They've never been too good about, you know, fair systems and fair this and fair that. Like, for instance, Hong Kong has a fair legal system. They have a fair court system and you get a legal defense, you get an attorney, just like you do in the United States. It's basically copy, control C, and then control V over N, the Hong Kong region. And China's not too big about this. They've been chipping away at Hong Kong's legal independence for years and years and years now. Well, again, 2019, the Hong Kong government, which is basically a puppet government to Beijing, so to China, Hong Kong government's like, we are trying to pass this bill. And what the bill does is it makes anyone a criminal in Hong Kong, anyone who's a criminal in Hong Kong, it makes them exportable or extradited to mainland China for trial. So for some perspective, the fair democratic legal court systems in China give a fair democratic 99.3% conviction rate. Okay, I'm I'm just saying I got 99.3%. Basically, you go on trial in China, you're going to die or you're going to wish you're dead because they'll put you in these stupid, horrible, Nazi-esque, actually not Nazi-esque, worse than the Nazis, concentration camps and labor camps. It is just awful. This is, these are people that need to be stopped one way or another. They're the biggest blight in our world today. And they're the most powerful threat to the United States. It's basically the evil equivalent. Okay. Whenever you say, oh, I hate this about the United States. I hate this, that about the United States. You know, you, you can hate the second amendment. You can hate all, all of our amendments. You can hate our government. Look across the sea, people. What do you, what, what do you, witness what do you see across the sea okay you see china and you see them persecuting muslims persecuting christians persecuting hong kong people just for not wanting themselves to be extradited to china to death you see people under oppression you see people in constant fear for their lives of the government you see the chinese government has this thing where families can't have more than two babies because of a population crisis and should the woman have triplets and the third baby's killed right in front of her eyes okay if you ever read the the giver it's it's kind of like that um it's basically the giver 15 times worse in real life all right it's awful it is just the worst well Hong Kong people have been protesting against this extradition bill. They've been protesting against this extradition bill because they like, like, what do you know? They they like their their system and they like their legal, fair, legal defense systems in Hong Kong. What do you know? Like, like it works. And gosh, that's it's so funny. It's almost like this, these are good things. These are good ideas. Like it's kind of like people like being treated fairly. Why don't we? Because we've been covering a lot of United States politics. Why don't we just get a healthy little dose of the, of the United States in here and listen to the Hong Kong protesters as they sing the national anthem and wave flags in the streets of Hong Kong. We're so gallant, 
I mean, just listen to that. It is just, it it breaks my heart to see these people because you know that China is massing troops on the border of Hong Kong. They're massing tanks, airplanes, missiles. And you've heard of this event called Tiananmen Square where they had tanks run over pro-democracy demonstrators way back in the day. I think the Chinese party is going to lose its patience and I think... They're going to lose it on the Hong Kong people, and they're going to go in, and they're going to kill a whole bunch of them. It is just disgusting. And Trump has come out and commented on this, and he he has said, because he's trying to make a trade deal with China, let's just hear what he says about the Hong Kong situation in relation to the China trade deal. No, I think it would be very hard to deal if they do violence. I mean, if it's another... Tiananmen Square, it's, I think it's a very hard thing to do if there's violence. And, you know, that, I'm president, but that's a little beyond me because I think there'd be, you know, I think there'd be tremendous political sentiment not to do something. And again, so he's, he wants a humane resolution to China. And he, again, he thinks that Xi Jinping, which is the, basically the emperor of China, he thinks that he can, if he just sat down with the demonstrators, it's never going to happen. If he just sat down with the demonstrators, he could probably solve it in 15 minutes. Again, it's never going to happen. But that's in an ideal world, in an alternate universe where Xi Jinping wasn't a power-hungry bastard, we could get this done. But unfortunately, you know, it's commies, okay? Filthy communists. So it's the greatest threat to... The United States today, these Hong Kong people, they really need our help. And I really, really hope we give it to them because otherwise they're just going to get trampled upon again and again and again. And it's it's a very bad situation, people. So I just wanted to let you guys know about that. And I wanted to make you guys aware of what is happening in Hong Kong and China. It's some disgusting and very honestly very scary stuff. It's a ticking time bomb waiting to explode. And lastly, ABC News has announced details for the third Democratic debate, and it's slated for September 12th and 13th in Houston, Texas. It's going to be held at Texas Southern University, and there's a few conditions. So if 10 or fewer candidates are certified by the Democratic National Committee or the DNC to participate, the debate will take place on one night. If more than 10 candidates qualify, then the, the debate will put, take place over two nights. And for the two-night scenario, the DNC will hold a selection event on August 29th to basically scramble the candidates and assign them to a night. And then the the debate will go on from there in a... If more than 10 candidates qualify, then the debate will take place over two nights. 
those two nights being September 12th and 13th in again in Houston and again at Texas Southern University. And so far, the 10 candidates that have qualified for the third round of debates, according to the ABC News, are Joe Biden, so former Vice President Joe Biden, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, South Bend, uh, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Um, we got Julian Castro. He's a former Housing and Urban Development Secretary. Um, we got Kamala Harris, Minnesota Senator a- Amy Klobuchar. We got Texas Representative Beto Arak. We got Vermont Senator Bonus Sanders, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, entrepreneur Andrew Yang. Go Andrew Yang. He's he's awesome. Um, so it it looks like because those 10 people have already qualified and we still have a while to go till September 12th and 13th, that it's, it's going to be a two night debate. We don't know exactly who is going, who else is going to qualify. We do know that Jay Inslee dropped out. He was, he was the big climate change guy. He, he dropped out. Now he's going to go and run for governor of Washington. So, you know, if anyone knows who he is, I, I don't know. So maybe you can enlighten me. Yeah, that's that's basically that. The Democrats are insane. Don't vote for any of them. I'm gonna have a actually. I'm I'm gonna have an episode in the future on reasons to vote for Democrats. So just stick around for that. Subscribe for that. You know, listen on wherever you listen to. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever podcasts are hosted. We're there. Stay tuned for that. I think that pretty much wraps up our episode. I hope you enjoyed listening. And again. Follow, subscribe, it'd really help everything that this podcast is trying to do. Remember, this is a podcast for the youngest, newest generation of voters, my age. You know, we're all teenagers here in this podcast, and it's showcasing what we think about what is going on in Washington. It's from our point of view and from our perspective. So just remember that it's politics for the young, so to speak. So thank you for listening and have a more perfect day.